Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Today, though, we are truly in the breastfeeding mode, and that would be a great time for me to say, Happy World Breastfeeding Week to all of you all over the globe. Hoping you're having a really great week hoping that it's as exciting for you as it is for me. And even though I've been through more World Breastfeeding Weeks than I can remember, it's always exciting to celebrate. I would encourage you to make sure that you visit my Facebook page. Please take a look at my blog this week. And that's at mariebiancuzo.com, M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com. I know it's hard to spell, but it's... It's what I am. And also, this is a good time for me to tell you that typically the World Breastfeeding Week folks get together and they establish four what we call pillars. I'm not sure what they call them, but four main points that they want to get across for this particular year. And let me read those for you because it has very much driven what we're doing today. So those four points are, number one, gender equitable social protection in all its forms can help enable breastfeeding. Number two, empowering parents and ensuring their rights require that we advocate for policies, legislation, parent-friendly workplaces, and gender-equitable social norms. Number three, gender-equitable parental social protection is important in both the formal and informal sectors. And number four, gender-equitable parental social protection also advances the sustainable development goals. So, if you were listening carefully, what you might have noticed from those four pillars was one word that recurred, and that is gender equitable. They do have that hyphenated, which I guess makes it one word, but you can think of it as two if you prefer. And with that in mind, we invited today as my guest, Stephanie Brown. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Stephanie Brown is a uh, board-certified lactation consultant. She is also a doula. She is based in the Philadelphia area. And we asked Stephanie because we felt that she really understood what it was like to uh, encounter these gender-equitable or, more to the point, gender inequitable practices. And uh, so therefore, I'd like to just kind of get to the meat of the matter here. Stephanie, I know that you're a certified doula. You're an internationally board certified lactation consultant. So how has your work 
been related to your sense of identity? Um, so it's a great question. Um, I first kind of want to preface like a lot of what I'm saying as, um, like I'm, I'm no like expert. I'm coming at this work from a personal place, um, and kind of from learning from that. And I feel like I found myself, um, in this kind of newer space with my work because of my queer identity. And so I just, I want to preface it by saying that I'm like no expert necessarily and that everyone can kind of learn in different ways. Um, but a lot of this for me is just from personal experience. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting, like having language now for queerness. I feel like a lot of people are like, quote unquote, coming out um, because there's new language for it. And I think a lot of people are feeling like, oh, where did this come from? Mm. Um, I don't think it came from anywhere. I think that queer people have always existed. We just didn't really have like as much language as we do now for it. Um, And so for me personally, like I've moved through the world as a queer person forever and just maybe in the last couple of years, I've really like come to understand what that means for myself, which for me, it's like more of an identity thing um, because there's a lot of ways to be part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, And we won't really go into that just because that would take forever. (laughs) Um, I think like people can do their own research when it comes to that. But um, definitely, I feel... I feel like I have to interrupt you here because you spoke about your queer identity and you also mentioned LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. For our international friends, they might not necessarily recognize that. Uh, so if you can unpack that for us. Sure. And also, I want to tell you, when I was young and growing up, I guess I'm showing my age here, <laughs> queer was not something that you wanted to call somebody. Right, right. Meaning um, that was an insulting term, and yet you have used it for yourself. So can you unpack queer, and can you unpack LGBTQ, and then LGBTQ plus? Sure. Um, So LGBTQ plus is the acronym. So it's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, Q. And the Q represents queer. It also represents questioning. Um, and the plus is inclusive of like asexual folks, um, and some other different identities that exist. So uh, the plus is there because I think that really it's infinite as far as like how many identities exist. Um, and it would be a really long acronym if we had, um, every single identity on there. So, I mean, it's unfortunate and the, I put the plus in there always so that everybody feels included in the acronym. Okay. Um, And the queer aspect is... I think a lot of um, the like LGBTQ plus community have um, basically like reclaimed the word. Like it used to be a derogatory term. Yeah. Um, yeah. And have reclaimed it as something that's like empowering. Um, this is also to say, and I feel like I just really want to preface this also, which is I'm a white person. And when we're talking about queer issues, I think it's inherent that we talk a little bit and I don't really want to talk about it maybe in this conversation, but Um, just acknowledging like my own privilege as a white queer person, because that still very much exists. And a lot of the reason why the LGBTQ plus community can even be kind of in the world safely, especially as, um, as white people are because of like queer people of color. Um, Like the movement was begun by two trans folks of color. So 
And again, it's like a lot to unpack, I think, but I just want to say that out loud that I am like a privileged queer person and, and that needs to be like said, especially for people who can't see me right now on this, you know, (laughs) in the podcast. And along with that, then sometimes some of us feel a little uncomfortable with what to call people because you call yourself queer, but is it okay for me or for someone else to call you queer? Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable with that. And I think, like, a lot of this conversation that we're going to have today, it involves, like, meeting people where they are. So, um, so either asking them, and I think, like, there's no harm in asking. That's not an offensive thing. I think a lot of people appreciate being asked. I think a lot of the issues that we're talking about right now with the LGBTQ plus community is assuming. Um, and so, like, looking at somebody and putting your own projection of who they are onto them. And I think that's part of this. So as opposed to projecting and assuming you listen to somebody um, and you ask them a question and then you listen to their answer and then you meet them where they are and treat them, treat them as such. Okay. I was reading an article about somebody who is a star on the food network. And for the life of me, I can't remember now who it was, but anyway, the article was something about her, and I think it was a woman who was coming out. Mm-hmm. And um, the celebrity kind of blew it off and said, well, <laughs> it's not like I'm really coming out. I've always sort of been out. Uh, can you address a little bit then, would you describe yourself as having come out or not? I mean, I don't necessarily, because like I mentioned before, it's like kind of just being who you've always been. Um okay. So for me, it doesn't feel like coming out. It feels like just being myself in a safer way, okay. uh, in a way that for me feels like more comfortable and honest. I'm guessing that when you are honest with yourself and with your clients, that empowers you to focus on them as opposed to yourself or your identity. Yeah. I mean, it's counterintuitive, right? Because like I had to focus on myself to understand who I was in order to be a better practitioner. Um, So like I said, it's, it's counterintuitive because you feel like you're being selfish or something like that. But so much of this work is um, extremely like outward work. You're giving a lot of yourself to somebody else or to other people. So by doing a lot of work on myself, I feel like I'm really able to come into the work in a way deeper way. Um, and the clientele that I have and that I attract now are like a lot of queer people or a lot of LGBTQ plus people because uh, they feel like more comfortable with someone who is open about that. Sure, sure. Well, and I think, I, I don't know much about psychology, but I would say that most of us are inclined to gravitate towards people who are like ourselves. Right. No, absolutely, Uh, which I think is true. Again, just bringing it up um, just for relevancy, like in the black community, breastfeeding and chest feeding is like, it's uh, something to think about. And it's not, there aren't a lot of practitioners of color, um, at least not here in Philadelphia. We have a few and, and that's it. And so in the same way that I'm a queer practitioner and I end up, Attracting queer clients, um, it's the same thing. We need more practitioners who are serving, like, their own community. <laughs> you know, we could go on and on with the yeah. examples because, truth be told, 
if a nurse sits down at a round table, I'm going to tell you, it's going to attract other nurse types because people just, they naturally gravitate towards people who look like, feel like, act like themselves. It's right. just kind of human nature, I think. Yeah, and Stephanie, we know that you have got a ton more to say on this. So for our audience, just remember, Stephanie and I are coming back. And on the other side of the break, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, the behaviors of practitioners as well as the reactions of clients, how we as, part- as, as practitioners can do a better job, how we can avoid doing a rotten job, and a little bit about the perception of those people we serve. So don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Stephanie Brown. We will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you. And so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. 
To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Stephanie Brown. And we are talking about the World Breastfeeding Week uh, directives to have gender equitable care. Now, before I go back to Stephanie, I'd just like to remind you, please check out our Facebook page this week. We'll have something special going on. Uh, Also, be sure to read my blog posts at MarieBiancuso.com. And you ready for this? Do you like a freebie? Ah, come on, everybody likes a freebie. We will have a free handout for all of you. If you go to MarieBiancuso.com, you will find it there. And it is M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com. Okay, so Stephanie, before we left, we were talking about the idea of people kind of gravitate towards their own folk. That's just what people do. So... Then there are the people that aren't. And so I have heard the term ally. I've heard the term queer ally. And the first thing I want to know is, does the term ally mean the same thing as the term inclusive? No. No. Okay. So then, which term do you prefer? Um, I mean, I think I prefer the term inclusive. Ally, I think, is really tricky. Um, okay. Yeah. And and why is ally tricky? I think ally is tricky because I think it's easier said than done. I think uh-huh. a lot of people okay. feel like they want to say that they're an ally. Again, this is, like, very fluid to racial justice issues and also to queer issues. Um, I think... It's easy to like slap a meme on social media or, I mean, in this month, we just got out of Pride Month, which is the month of June. Um, and it's like so gross to me, the kind of capitalistic, um, like all every single um, ad on my Instagram was like a rainbow, um, you know, like t-shirt or whatever from some company that like could care less about queer pride, like you know, 11 months out of the year and then suddenly Pride Month comes and it's like, you know, they're like making money off of it. And everybody I, I just want to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's cute, I guess, you know, but it's not cute when you really think about it. Um, it's like a money making scheme. And I just I see um, I see other practitioners like not pointing anyone out in, spe- in particular, but just in general, um, you know, like calling themselves allies or putting like I mean, I see this all the time, putting the Facebook like um, rainbow like thing on their Facebook page uh, mm. or whatever to kind of like represent that they're inclusive, except 99.9% of their posts are not, um, or mm. are like, you know, specifically for like women only are very hyper gendered or something like that. To me, that's frustrating because it's like, that doesn't mean that you're an ally just by saying it one time. Um, it's a lot of work to be inclusive. Um, and, you know, folks talk about, feeling like confused by, by pronouns and things like that, or feeling like overwhelmed by, um, by needing to kind of like accommodate that or something like that. But 
just from perspective's sake, like being a queer person in the world and not really knowing what your identity is, if you're questioning for a long time, um, it feels like frustrating that the the world says like, we don't really have time for this. Um, we don't really have, we don't really have the energy or something to just like spend a little bit of extra time kind of like thinking about it or asking you. Um, something I've thought a lot about in my own practice is that I'm, I'm really outward about being queer and I'm outward about um, like serving the queer community. And I think I've gotten like some feedback from people that are like, well, what if, what if like a, you know, cis person and a cis person, like a cisgendered person is someone who uh, identifies with the gender that they are um, born into assigned female at birth. um, And you, you identify as a woman, you are a cisgendered person. Um, They, they ask me like, aren't you worried about alienating that community or something like that? And I mean, 90% or more, you know, of the practices that exist, like target cis women uh, in, in my work in IBCLC work. So I don't feel that bad about like being the person who is centering LGBTQ plus community because we don't have that um, anywhere else, you know, that doesn't exist here. All right. So basically what you're telling me is that it's very easy to slap a sticker on something or uh, do some outward symbolism or whatever, but when it really comes down to it, these people are not really making you feel like you have been included right the work the work isn't being done it's it's like an it's like a band-aid you know you like Uh you make it you look to the world like you're doing something but you're really not and I just want to cite there's a like an activist um queer person a person of color who I follow on Instagram um their name is Erica Hart their handle is iHeartErica they've been like a huge resource for me personally just in learning about both LGBTQ plus um stuff and also racial justice stuff but there's something that they've said in the past um that's incredible which is like do the work and don't tell anyone about it um it's Mm kind of like the you know, if a tree falls in the forest, doesn't really fall or something. Doesn't, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. I mean, that is, that's how you really do the work is you do it and you don't tell anybody about it. And it's like, would you still do it if you don't get credit for it? And I think that that's kind of part of this for me. Yes. Yes. Of course, that's a lesson for all of us to learn in just about every interaction that we have in life. Would we do it if we didn't get credit for it? Right. Um, right. And that's, yeah. it's really hard. I mean, when you're working well, really hard and you're not, getting credit but that's the whole point here is like to actually do the work so when we're talking about being inclusive and like changing your language slowly and and actually sort of really um really embracing that in a bigger way do it and don't tell anyone about it and then slowly it will start to show you know because people are going to come to you and they're going to feel that shift and they're going to feel like safer in your care and again it's going to take time and work and energy but it doesn't seem like a lot to ask after the like history, the LGBTQ plus history that exists, which is a lot of trauma and a lot of folks not seeking care in the medical. Oh, community. that's a big Actually, problem. Yeah, yeah because they don't problem. feel safe. Yeah, um, I can't quote the statistics off the top of my head, but the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC here in the United States, uh, came out with some t- statistics a while ago about how many of the LGBTQ plus community uh, do not seek care. And of course, interestingly, we know this about people who are obese and other, uh, other people who have been maybe not in such a, 
I use this in air quotes, favorable position with the the rest of the world, you know. And uh, all right, so so Stephanie, I think you've given us a glimpse of what we should not be doing. So what are some ways in which practitioners, professionals, or even just people walking around, how can we all be more inclusive? And you have uh, talked about the language. I would agree. Uh, Are there other things, and it seems like maybe language is the first thing, but are there other things that all of us need to do in order to be more inclusive and, and authentic, I guess, maybe is my word. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so social media plays such a big role now. And most of I mean, most people have a social media for their practice and things like that. So another way which kind of ties with language is just visibility. So, you know, like showing photos of queer people of trans folks parenting. uh Um, And in, in a joyful way, I think like, when you look again at the community, the queer community, there's so much trauma there. And a lot of people are are coming out because of trauma or there's just a lot of heaviness there. Um, and you know, and in the trans community, it's like often talked about that, like nobody cares about your trans identity unless it's coming from a place of like trauma or, um, something terrible having happened to you. Um, so visibility in the visuals. So showing like LGBTQ plus folks, like just happy with a baby, you know, and like parenting, like any person would, um, and kind of like really normalizing it because we just don't see those images a lot. And a lot of queer people don't feel comfortable like publicly being really out. And that's not everybody. There are a lot of people sure. that are, um, but some people don't feel that way. So we just don't see it very often. And that's why it feels so other. It feels so like just we're not used to it. We're used to seeing hypergendered stuff. Um, so that's what we know. It's familiar and it's comfortable. Um, and another way that I like to think of it is like, I see a lot of cisgendered practitioners who plaster like inclusive on everything. Um, and it's not that I don't believe that maybe they are inclusive or they're using inclusive language, but it's this idea that kind of forces you, if you're queer and you're going to like a childbirth education class, for instance, that's got inclusive all over it. It's like kind of forcing you to like out yourself as a queer person. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, like I want to be able to do that if if I want to. Um, I don't want, you know. So there's a danger there too, um, which kind of goes back to my other point of like just doing the work kind of quietly and not asking for attention from it. Um, but if you're changing your language, if you're being more visible, if you're showing images um, of queer people parenting joyfully. I think that that speaks for itself. And I don't think that you need to shoot like or shout inclusivity from the, from the rooftops you know, <laughs> right. so that people can hear you. I think like just do the work and don't, um, don't yeah ask for attention and don't demand that queer people come out to you because they don't, that's not something that they're, they should need to do. Um, they've spent their entire lives, or at least I can speak for myself. Like you spend a lot of your life like hiding. Um, sure. So, well, and on the other side of the break, I want to talk about this, but, but to the point about the hiding, I can see where if you have some identity confusion, you could just choose to not uh, verbalize that to whoever your healthcare practitioner is. But if you're transgender, it seems to me like you're in a different boat. Well, and that's, I mean, not necessarily some trans folks don't, you know, they don't necessarily, um, 
like they can read a certain way. Like some, like to me, to the world, I look like a cisgendered white woman. Um, but that's not how I identify. And that's true of trans folks too. So some quote unquote pass. Okay. Well, I guess I'm getting an education here too, as well. Alrighty. Uh, Hey, everybody look at, don't go away. (laughs) Stephanie and I will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso, and I am here today with Stephanie Brown. We are rocking and rolling as related to the World Breastfeeding Week. And uh, when we left off, 
Stephanie was talking to us about uh, inclusive, some examples of things that are not inclusive, some ways that we can be inclusive. And by the way, I think Stephanie said this very clearly, but in case you missed it, I want to reiterate that she said to start changing your language slowly. And I wrote a blog post about that a while ago where uh, my basic point was watch what comes out of your mouth. Quite honestly, you're not going to be able to do this all inside of the next 12 hours, but you've just got to keep being aware, watching yourself, and so much of it is awareness and respect. So, Stephanie, I want to go to, you mentioned uh, trauma, and I guess the opposite of that would be healing. So, talk to us a little bit about trauma and the queer and trans community. Um, So, I think that, I mean, and I don't know if, like, the audience is, like, tuned into it so much, but there's, like, a lot of trans folks being murdered, um, that happens like more, way more than it should. And I think it's just in general, especially again, when you don't quote unquote pass, I kind of mentioned that before a break before. And what I mean by that is, you know, there are trans folks who, you know, to the, to the world or to another person look like they're assigned sex at birth or their gender that they've been given at birth. Um, Uh but don't identify that way. So, so by passing you, you know, there's a safety in that because you look, you know, you, you look the way that other people think that you look. Um, and so, but there's a lot of trauma, I think just collective trauma in the community because of, um, because of like the history of oppression and the history that exists in the queer community, which is not great. Um, and so I think, you know, there's like personal trauma and then there's also collective community trauma that absolutely can carry um, onto the individual. So coming from it, from that perspective, um, there's a lot to be healed from. And again, that's not to say there's a lot of people in the LGBTQ plus community that don't have trauma and that feel like very, very proud of who they are. And so there's just a lot of variation here, but oh. I would, generally speaking, are we all know, handle things differently? Exactly, exactly. Yes. Um, so yeah, so I think that there's like healing to be done, and we talked about like the kind of gradual nature of all of this, and I just sort of generally believe that in all walks of life and all things, um, and so just kind of like easing into it. And so for some people, you know, pregnancy and your changing body um, mm, can be I- like traumatic if you are a trans man um and you're pregnant like you might that might be a a, like interesting space to navigate for you and so again you know finding practitioners and being with someone who is going to be like really sensitive to that idea and not just sensitive to it but normalize it they're not going to treat you like you're you know like this other person um it's just going to be a normal thing that's happening to your body um, and honoring like the feelings that you're having, the complicated feelings that you're having. Um, So that's what I'm talking about with like kind of trauma and healing is, you know, it can be an opportunity to not have more trauma inflicted in your life. It, you know, pregnancy can be, or in parenting can be this opportunity to heal from some of the collective and personal trauma of your past and that's what it should be. But for a lot of people, it is not that. It is traumatic to go to a practitioner, 
to go, you know, to get inseminated or to go, you know, get an IUI, um, that can be like an intense experience that's not usually like associated with positivity. Stephanie, I know that in your current role and pretty much today we have talked about your role as a practitioner, but you have also been on the receiving end of this. Would you describe yourself as having been um, traumatized by other practitioners or talked down to or insulted or whatever? Um, I mean, I don't, I think that that has happened, but for me so far, most of it has come from the fact that I've never been able to be open with a practitioner, specifically like uh, an OBGYN or someone who is doing like more personal reproductive care um, okay. in a way okay. that I haven't been able to do. Like recently, and I'll speak more about this later, but um, I work with a pair of midwives and they are also queer and they that's been like a game changer for me. Again, okay. like receiving care from people who are um, who identify that way, but also um, are just giving care in a more kind of intimate setting and listening more than talking and things like that. You know, that feels very, so for me, like, I don't, I wouldn't call it trauma. That feels like a really heavy word that I don't think I would associate with, with what okay. I've experienced, but it's more but, like, okay. been able to be honest with anybody about that. And there's a lot of heaviness to that in its own way, you know, to not be able to just be honest and be yourself in those situations, you know, and I'm lucky. I'm super privileged to not, to not have that experience. And again, it's part of the reason that I'm a white person. I'm also like, a to the world, I appear to be just a white cisgendered woman. Um, so, and for me, like I identify as queer and I use like she pronouns, but I also use they pronouns and I'm, um, <laughs> it's like non-binary. So, Hi. but that doesn't mean that my clothes identify who I am. Again, it's like assumption. You have to ask people or, you know, where they're coming from, and then listen to them. Uh, and that goes for anybody, by the way. Right. Yes, yes. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you You said maybe in the first segment about othering. And I think I understand that, but I'm not sure that we, you mentioned it as um, a situation where the we're inclusive uh, we're a queer ally, blah, 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 blah. Mm. But you said pretty much what the person feels is, yeah, then I have to be outed. Right. So is that an example of othering? And are there other examples of othering? I had to work on getting that out of my mouth. <laughs> right, right. It's a tongue <laughs> other examples of othering. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's like... That's a big part of it. So I, the first thing that came to mind when you said that actually is like I run a group of feeding. It's called, I call it an infant feeding support group. Uh, it was originally a breastfeeding, chest feeding support group. And then I opened it up so that anybody could come no matter how they're feeding their babies. And I'm finding that a lot of people are showing up who are like exclusive pumpers, queer people. Sure. Like yeah. the diversity is like very wide ranging. Sure. Um, sure. And then someone actually specifically said like, one reason I love coming to this group is that like, it's not, it's not, it's just not weird. Um, and they'd maybe been to another group and they were like a same sex couple and felt, you know, not like nobody outwardly was saying like, 
get out of here or something. We don't agree with your lifestyle. Nobody was saying that, but nobody was like necessarily including um, not in this way. Or, or right, uh, engaging the partner or just, you know, little things like that where, um, and then I think what they were kind of referring to also is that like they can come into this group, tell me like, oh, I'm a queer parent and my partner is like inducing lactation or is, you know, I'm a trans person and this, you know, my partner is this or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, that's great. Welcome to group or something like that. I don't like sit down and then give them like too much attention or too little attention or whatever. You just literally treat every human in the room like another human. Um, You just led me to thinking about client consent and client autonomy. Now, Mm -hmm. in general, autonomy is regarded as uh, an ethical right. People have their own say-so over their own body. Mm-hmm. Consent is a little different, but certainly one needs to give consent in order to have autonomy. So right. as related to the, as you would say, the queer and trans community, uh, what are some examples of how the healthcare professional undermines autonomy? Um, again, I think just assuming that somebody is whatever you're projecting onto them. I think that's like the first step and you have to think of it that way. So if somebody walks into the room and I assume that they're a woman and I keep referring to them as a woman, um, they might not feel super comfortable then to be like, actually, I don't identify as a woman. I'm non-binary or I'm a trans man or something like that. And so I think um, that's kind of where that comes from. And I think a lot of queer and trans people have a complicated relationship with their body. Again, not everybody, uh but I know I can speak from personal experience with this, which is having a complicated relationship with your body because it doesn't really match up with, with how you feel and how you identify. So kind of trying to understand what that means for you and making sure that you have a practitioner or you as a practitioner are, are being respectful of that. Um, and the consent thing, I mean, I'm a hospital IBCLC. I work at a local hospital and like, I never touch anybody without asking them directly right before I do it. Um, and I feel like it's okay to touch you. Um, and and it takes me 0.3 seconds and I can't tell you how often a patient tells me, Oh my gosh, you're the first person who's asked me that. And they just notice it because they've never had to answer the question. Um, And so I say, like, oh, is it, is it okay to touch you? Because I'm teaching a lot of hand expression in the hospital, and we're doing a lot of, like, things like that. I also try not to touch whenever I don't need to. Um, I don't either. Latching their baby, I just don't touch them. And then a lot of times someone will say, please help me, and then I do. Sure. And then if I see something where I feel like I should jump in, I say, is it okay if I jump in? Um, is it okay if I touch you? So, yeah, it seems seems easy, but I think people feel uncomfortable in the moment to ask the question, but ask the question. Well, one of the things that I always teach when I teach classes to aspiring IBCLCs is this. For some women, or for some individuals, I guess I should say, see, you're making me better here, Stephanie, <laughs> but for some individuals, um, And I would be one of them. If I thought that I had to have somebody snatching and grabbing at my body in order to breastfeed, I would just, you know, I just, I just don't want that. It just doesn't work. And we hear that story all the time. time. Queer people, that can be just even more traumatic, I think. Uh, Sure. Hey, everybody, don't go away. Um, I'm here today with Stephanie Brown. We're talking about uh, gender equity. We will be right back after this short break.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso. And you are going to get your free handout at mariebiancuzo.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O. That handout is uh, there for the asking, or should I say there for the downloading. 
And um, I think that you will find this helpful to have by your uh, workplace, by your phone, whatever, uh, to really help you to become more aware of what you do, what you say, what you don't do, what you don't say. And um, so come on and grab it. I think you will find it helpful. All right. So, Stephanie, I want to talk a little bit about continuity of care. We've talked about care. We've talked about some ideas of consent and autonomy with care. But continuity of care is something that I think all of us agree is important. However, how does this relate to your work and to the people that you serve? Um, So it means like, you know, I get people who come to me from as a referral from another practitioner and they've referred me because the person that they're referring is queer or is part of the LGBTQ community in some way or another. And and we have, I feel really lucky in Philadelphia, we have like a few different practitioners, but uh, like doulas and midwives and things like that who are part of the queer community. And so we can kind of refer to each other. And that's what I mean by continuity of care is like making sure that your references are solid. So if I'm sending a queer person to someone else for something, I don't care what it is, whether it's for midwifery care, for just a well person visit, like an OBGYN kind of thing. um, I'm making sure that I'm sending them to a provider that I trust and that is going to give them care that is like, again, continuous with like the care that I've been giving potentially. Um, It's part of like as an IBCLC, I mean, we send reports to pediatricians because we want to make sure that they are, you know, cued into like our visit and how much the baby weighs or whatever, what the baby's doing. In the same way, you do that with other providers, with people in the LGBTQ community because of the, because it's like not feeling safe in that space. You want to make sure that they're feeling like they can trust their practitioner because we have such a history of not being able to do that. And so that's, that's what I mean by that. And I'm really lucky in Philadelphia. I work with the Philadelphia Midwife Collective. They are a pair of nurse midwives um, and they work in a hospital and they also have a private practice doing um, like planned home and hospital births. Um, so they have privileges at a local hospital so they can take their private clients there, but oh, they're uh-huh. queer providers and I see them personally, you know, because they're the only people I like trust for with my reproductive care right now. And, and I just, I feel really grateful to like have built a community with them. I run my group at their office and, um, and I'm currently part of the board. Um, and we're working on this big project here in Philadelphia to open a birth center, a freestanding birth center. Um, cause Philadelphia does not have one within city limits. Um, and we have some history. We have like, uh, we have a birth center just outside of the city, Um, we have, um, but we don't have one in the city directly. Uh, We used to have something that was very similar. It closed down a long time ago. So we're working on making like a nonprofit birth center where anyone can go and we're centering the needs of the LGBTQ plus community, um, because nobody's really done that. And we're not saying that other people aren't allowed to come there. We're just putting the needs of these folks kind of in the front of of everything else because every other practice that exists kind of um, they're not centering that necessarily. Yeah. I'm, I'm eager to say that inclusive means inclusive. It doesn't mean excluding the people that are the non LGBTQs. Right. Not at all. Not at all. Uh And I think a lot, you know, a lot of people with the language thing, for instance, like, you know, a lot of women um, like cisgendered women talk about like, 
not feeling sure that they feel included or like we're pushing the LGBTQ plus agenda or whatever. But when we're talking about people and clients and folks and things like that, there's nothing about those words that doesn't include women. You know, if somebody comes to me and they're like, I feel like I'm a like birth goddess and that's how I identify. Um, and I feel very feminine and like my body is doing like what I biologically was born to do, then that's amazing. That's how I'm going to treat that person. Sure. But when a, sure. when a queer person comes to me and says, I'm non-binary, I don't identify as a woman, I use their pronouns, I don't like to refer to my breasts as breasts, um, then I'm going to treat that person like completely differently because we've talked about how they feel, about how their body feels. Um, and so that's what I mean by kind of like centering LGBTQ plus community by just using inclusive language which includes everybody, includes cisgendered women, includes trans folks, it includes literally anybody who wants to come to you for care. Well, I'm so glad the word woman just came out of your mouth because it came out of my mouth on the last segment and I was wondering what I was going to do with that. And that's so perfect. I mean, that's just like speaks to what we were talking about before of gradual, gradually shifting your language. And it's like you caught it in the moment, you know, and I think like, that is such a huge thing right there, right? That's the first step is just thinking about it more. And when you think about it more, you're going to say the word woman and you're going to be like, oh gosh, I wonder if that person actually does identify as a woman. And like just that act alone and that kind of, you know, that thoughtfulness, I think like that is a game changer. And that's like the first kind of step, I think, for a lot of people to start shifting their language a little bit, which it's is- It's not that hard to say individual or right. person or- whatever. I think people are like, you know, it feels, they feel like they're bumbling over the words or something like that. But from, to the other, you know, from the other side of it, it just sounds like regular words. You know, I think that they, they're putting their own kind of anxiety on it. Um, But most of the time when you're just saying the words out loud, nobody else is recognizing them as like, as strange or like it doesn't fit, you know? So I think like, and also who cares if, if it sounds like weird to you or something like that, and you're a little uncomfortable using that language, that I think is like the price you pay a little bit for changing, changing your language. You think about the LGBTQ plus community and how uncomfortable that they felt just being oh, in the world for so long that, you know, making yourself like a little uncomfortable by just saying some different types of words, I think is like the very, very least that, that you could do, you know? Yeah, and um, we only have a couple of minutes left, Stephanie. Can you give us kind of a rundown of uh, what you are building? And and you've done that to some extent with this new birth center. But can you tell us where it is, how we find you and your colleagues? uh, Just uh, And I know not everybody who's listening lives in Philadelphia. Some people are halfway around the world. But uh, can you just clue us in a little bit better about how people uh, can find that? Sure. You can read all about the project at our website, which is www.philadelphiamidwifecollective.org. Um, you can find me on there, too, because I'm part of the collective. So that's how you get in touch with me. You can read all about the midwives, Kara and Mac. Um, and you can read about our board as well. And we currently have a GoFundMe. We're trying to raise money Ooh, to okay. find a space and things like that, which you can find at GoFundMe.com slash Philadelphia Midwife Collective. Um, and then I'm on Instagram as um, at Blue Moon Breast, and there's underscores between the words. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm also on Facebook as Stephanie Brown IBCLC, which is my business page. Um, yep. I, I don't do a lot of social media stuff these days. I do a little bit, but I'm 
I'm really busy. I'm chairing the board for the, for the nonprofit. So doing a lot of that work and then my business and working at the hospital. So I feel like I've got to worry about social media. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Well, this has all been very, very informative. And I would like to thank Stephanie Brown for being my guest. Stephanie, thank you for being with me today. Thanks so much for having me. It was really nice to, to talk. Alrighty. And for all of the rest of you, I'm hoping that you have a really, really happy World Breastfeeding Week and that you can implement some of the suggestions that Stephanie has given us today. I hope that you can download your free handout that I have prepared for you. And I hope you will join us next week because you know that your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.